Welcome, friends and listeners. Our Smart Loving Conversation today is about what spouses can do if they are frustrated in their marriage. But before we get into it, I want to introduce my guest. This is a repeat appearance, and I'm delighted to welcome my husband, Byron, to the podcast. Great to be here again. I, I guess I did an okay job last time, and I'm back. You did. You did. For those who haven't had the opportunity to get to know Byron, he's a management consultant by day. He keeps the bread on the table, and he's, we've collaborated together for over 30 years. Since that, we got married. You're working in marriage ministry, so it's um, great to have you and get that masculine perspective on our conversation today. Before we get into the topic, though, it's our custom in this podcast to just share a little bit of our faith walk. So how's your walk with the Lord been? It's been good this week. Um, we This week was the week of the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady uh, into Heaven. And I went, uh, in the middle of a busy day, I went to Mass at St. Mary's Cathedral. So... It was, you know, the Mother Church of Australia at St. Mary's. It was the Feast of the Assumption. And uh, it was a little bit of an, an oasis in the middle of the week. But I also just found this week, I found myself reflecting on, on that actual, the, the significance of that feast and the meaning behind that feast, which I really never spent much time in my life reflecting on. So it's been quite a rich, uh, rich process this week. It started with, um, we do adoration of the Eucharist on Monday nights together. And that, I found myself reflecting on that because that was the next day. And then I went to Mass on it the next day. And then... It's just flowed through me with me throughout the week. So it's been quite a nice week walking with Mary. For me, it's been um, a little bit of a challenging week. been uh, working to resolve a bit of a difficult parish situation and without going into details, but I've really been, um, I guess, challenged a little bit. I don't know why, but Mother Teresa, um, Sister of St. Teresa of Calcutta, just came to mind and her capacity to just see Jesus Christ in every person. So even you know, the destitute who'd been living on the street, they would have been smelly and unpleasant and possibly, you know, irascible and dying and sick and miserable. And she was just able to see Christ in them. And so I was just a little bit challenged by that, I suppose, to some of the difficult personalities and the frustrations there to just be reminded uh, that these people are Jesus Christ in my life and to respond to them with love and care the same way that I would if I literally met Jesus physically or recognised Jesus in them. So that's been a, just an interesting reflection. Even if things have been a little bit difficult in the relationships in my community, just to be reminded uh, that they are Jesus. They they are Jesus in in my life. For better or for worse. Exactly. Rear or poorer. <laughs> so help us God. So on that note, let's dive into our topic: how to ease marital frustration. And I guess listeners, we've addressed this topic previously, but from the context of how to help somebody else who might be experiencing some difficulty in their marriage. So this time we want to turn it around a little bit and speak directly to any of us because we all get frustrated at times and we can all feel a little bit challenged or desolate in our marriages. So what are some of the things that we can do with practical ways that we can make a difference in terms of um, moving forward in that situation? It comes up a lot for us in terms of people sort of ringing us or emailing us for assistance. And over the past de decades, um, I frequently had frustrated husbands or wives approach us for help. Often their spouse was unwilling to or unable to participate in one of the marriage courses that we offered and they were really begging us for what else could we do. And it led us to create the Breakthrough Course, which was very specifically targeted for individual spouses in distressed marriages. So unlike most marriage courses and all the other courses on our website, Breakthrough has no couple activities and it does not require both spouses to participate. And everything is really very much designed around supporting and equipping the solo spouse. So that's the kind of perspective that we're going to be addressing this topic today. So 
Why do you want to kick us off with our first idea? Yeah, well, so the, the idea of behind the breakthrough course is a quite a very simple but a profound uh, insight about actually how marriages work and how you can advance them when they don't seem to be working as well as you'd like. And that's the idea that um, while often and ideally it takes two to make a marriage work, we fall into the trap of thinking both of us have to be equally invested at the moment together to actually advance the marriage. It's just not right. Each of us individually working solo can actually make a difference, a positive difference in the marriage. And so that's the whole idea behind Breakthrough as a, as a program. But it's an insight that we can carry into our daily lives, that I can make my marriage a bit better today if I choose to act in ways that are positive towards my marriage. There was a great um, advertising campaign in America which asked the question, what have you done for your marriage today? And it's a really good question we should ask ourselves when we're frustrated in our marriage because often we get negative and down in the relationship and particularly towards our spouse. Whereas the question we should be asking ourselves at that moment is, what can I do to actually make this better? And so the, the question comes around, um, and think about it another way, if we asked each other, what could we do to make our marriage worse? We could come up with a long list of things because it's easy to make marriage worse. But we should actually be asking ourselves, what can we actually do to make it better? And it's kind of interesting when you say that because if you're frustrated with each other in the relationship or the relationship, just the marriage just seems to be a bit dry at the moment, not fulfilling. Actually, it's quite a challenging question to ask yourself because you, what you find is your mindset is orientated towards the negative. And that's the point of this of the breakthrough course and, and of this way of thinking is we take some control by working out what we can do just by ourselves. We don't have to tell the other we're doing it, but what can we do to make it a little bit better? And in fact, that's such an empowering mindset shift. And it's it's quite radical in terms of the people that come in sort of into our door, not virtually, not usually physically looking for assistance in their marriage, often their orientation is very much about how do they get the, it's all about the other person, the other person's activity or lack of. And so this is really around taking control of what we can do for ourselves and seeing ourselves as part of get the movement forward. Often if you feel hopeless in your marriage, what you've got to realise that you're probably falling in the trap of being helpless in your marriage. And and none of us are helpless in our marriage. There's always something we can do. And and we're not talking about, you know, creating world peace in a single day. We're just talking about making, you know, just small, simple steps that bit by bit make the things a little bit better. And so that mindset is, is empowering. It puts us back into control when we often feel like we're out of control or disempowered in the relationship. And, and the great thing about it is that it's something I can do and I have a choice every day to actually adopt that mindset and adopt that action. So that's the first idea, I suppose, is to just to dump the disempowering belief that we can't do anything unless our spouse joins us. So we, we like to call it, it takes one to tango. That's our kind of way of just challenging, I guess, the assumption that unless our spouse joins us, we're totally powerless to do anything. The second idea that we'd like to put to you is firstly that is that change is our own project. So some years ago, I spent some time with a wife. Um, she came in to see me in our office. She was really frustrated in her marriage and she was convinced that if Byron could simply call her husband and tell him how to shape up, it would fix everything for her. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen for two reasons. Firstly, as good as I might think I am at convincing people to do things, I'm not that good. But secondly, it's entirely inappropriate. Um, and... And the third thing is that it actually 
But wouldn't they ever be effective? Like, wouldn't be. It, ne- it would never work. It would never work. Somebody randomly out of the blue rings you up and tells you, "Guess what? How buddy? to fix your marriage? Guess what, buddy? I mean, how much time are you going to give that person?" <laughs> but but more importantly, it's actually the wrong mindset. It's the wrong starting point. And and it's again off the first point we made. It, it reflects the person's trapped in seeking an external force to change somebody else for the better, rather than asking, "What can I do myself to better myself in the relationship?" We can attest, or I can attest from personal experience to you, Both that did. this never really works. We cannot make the other change, and it's actually really wrong-headed to try. So the second idea that we'd like to pitch to you is to do your own interior work. Um, we feel better for it when we do, um, taking that time, whether it's through prayer or with the assistance of a professional counsellor or therapist, to look inward and do the processing and, and work out Part of what's making me so frustrated in here might be driven by childhood frustrations that have been projected onto the spouse or whatever it is, um, do that internal work. And we're more likely through that to inspire our spouse to take on responsibility for their part of changing as well. But it's not about manipulating them or coercing them. It's really about doing the work that we can do. And ultimately, whether or not our spouse responds to that, we're a better person for it. And so if we see our life project, um, which is very much part of our call in faith, is to develop ourselves, to develop in virtue, to to look at constant sort of refining so that we can be freer to love, freer to give ourselves to others in service and in love, freer to approach the Lord in prayer. All of the things that are barriers to that are things that we can work on as individuals in our life. It's a self-improvement project that should be part of a, a, a daily or a long-term goal. If you think about it too, when you're in a mindset of being frustrated or disillusioned in your relationship, you have that negative orientation. Um, and so you're looking for that external intervention or the other person to change. But the question we should be asking ourselves as well is, yeah, am I making myself more lovable? Am I being, a, am I more e- making myself more easily to be loved? And that, that other-centered orientation about how do I improve myself to be more generous, to be more caring, to be more sensitive, to be more empathetic, those are all things that we can do. No one can make those things happen in us. Only we can. And so if you think about these two ideas together, one is what actions can I take to make the relationship better? And then what's the internal journey that I need to do to actually improve myself as being a better spouse? Those two things come together in a very powerful way. And again, both of those things are things that I can do and I can choose to do irrespective of how my spouse is is operating at the moment. They don't need to be aware that I'm doing this. These are things that are empowering and they're intentional actions that we can actually decide to work forward with. Mm -hmm. So I guess both of these two ideas have a similar theme, but it's really about um, looking towards ourselves to be the agents of um, affecting change rather than relying on our spouse to be the initiator. And so that's a you know a, a mindset shift, but it's an empowering one. And we think that's sort of really the, the starting point and it's the most practical way to make a positive shift the dial in terms of moving away from feeling helpless and a victim in a marriage that's not satisfying us to being proactive in improving our situation by focusing internally on ourselves and then also in how we approach the marriage. Is that a fair summary, do you think? I think so. And it's, you know, it's a simple idea, um, but actually, you know, today's culture particularly, I think it's quite a radical one mm-hmm. um, because we sort of, we don't look to ourselves to actually improve 
the lot around us. We wait for somebody else to improve or we demand that somebody else fix things for us these days. And frankly, the biggest project in my life to actually fix is me, not everybody else around me. And, you know, I can shout all, not that I'm going to shout, but I can shout all I like from the top of the, my lungs uh, about making my children or, or, or asking Francine to be some somehow different. But, you know, frankly, uh, how different am I being? How good am I being? And I think that's the that's the first question we should ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we might take a break, listeners, and we'll be back shortly. It is easy to get discouraged when there is disconnection in our marriage. Arguments over petty incidents, too busy to romance each other, crowded with other responsibilities. All marriages go through periods where we need a breakthrough in our relationship. The Smart Loving Breakthrough course will teach you how arguments happen how to manage them better or avoid them altogether. Understand your internal drivers and how your spouse is triggering you. Process the pain of past injuries, making you stronger and less reactive. Visit smartloving.org forward slash breakthrough. The Smart Loving Breakthrough course can be done by a couple or by an individual who is in a marriage that is in distress. Visit smartloving.org forward slash breakthrough to enroll today. Gift certificates are also available should you want to purchase the course for a friend or family member. Welcome back. You're listening to Smart Loving Conversations and we've been talking about how to ease marital frustration. We've already covered two ideas and now I'd like to talk about two more. Barb, what have you got for the next one? Well, if you think about what most of us do when we are frustrated in the marriage or we're we're feeling a bit alone in the marriage, etc., is we tend to approach the other person through a a negative mindset we talked about before, but what it is expressed as is usually either a complaint or a demand. And there's a bit of an escalation process here. We start off with a complaint and, you know, no one likes to be complained about. So there's often a defensive reaction to that. And so that didn't work. And so then we, we get a bit more frustrated. So we tend to escalate that and we start to become a bit more demanding. And of course, you know, no one likes people making demands of them. Um, And so that doesn't work. And so then we start to actually fall into a situation where we sort of hold each other in contempt. And contempt's like a poison in a marriage. That's that mindset where you actually disrespect the other person and you hold in the situation of almost like permanent negativity uh, as though they can do no good. And that's that's a terrible place to find yourself. And we can slip into that very quickly. I mean, that sounds like that might take ages to get to. You can get to that from in, within 15 minutes in, in the course of a, a bad morning together. And so that's a very typical pattern because we're not often quite skilled at working out how to actually sort of get positive momentum. So we tend to push through a negative lens. We, we make a complaint, we make a demand, and then our mindset locks in behind that. Or in my case, it starts with a bit of a hint. So it might be a, even just body language. It might not even be verbalised, but I'll be kind of subtly, trying to subtly indicate that I'm not happy about something he did or didn't do or whatever. And when that doesn't get work, I get more verbal about it or the glares get more intense. And it's a re- really interesting idea that um, picked this up actually from world-renowned marriage therapist Michelle Weiner Davis. She's known as the divorce buster because she wrote a book by the name and she calls it out and says, sort of makes sense. When what we're doing isn't working, we tend to intensify it thinking that we're just not trying hard enough, not trying hard enough to get his attention. I'm not trying strongly enough to make him realize how much this means to me. So we just get more intense in doing the same thing. 
But she calls it up in her counselling with her clients and says, well, instead of doing more of the same thing, but just with more emphasis or more venom, try doing something completely different. Do maybe the opposite of what you were doing. Or just switch tack. And so, you know, we know all of that, that's, you know, funny line that, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. But actually, if you look at ourselves and our relationships, that's what we're doing a lot of the time. We're doubling down, doubling down, doubling down in the same way, wondering why the other person, you know, isn't responding. And many times, despite what our intention is, which is to get a positive response, we're actually driving them into a corner where it becomes harder and harder for them to, to respond positively. And so I, mean, I liken it to trying to open the front door with a tank. When you roll up to the house and you blast away with a tank at the front door, you'll open the front door all right. You'll, uh, you'll, destroy, you'll the destroy the house, right? So it, it's sort of like, it's a, it's a sort of a stupid analogy, but it's a, it's, you know, we sort of go through this sort of process or it's like watching somebody who's speaking to somebody in a, who doesn't understand English and they're speaking very clearly and then they start to speak louder and louder <laughs> as though shouting is going to make this person somehow understand a language they don't understand. So if you think about what we're doing, we're sort of trapped in a process and the trick is, is yeah, okay, it's not working, switch. Try something different. Try a different approach, right? So try something that's invitational rather than demanding, something that draws them in rather than, you know, demands they come in. Find a way to invite them in. Um, and so whatever it might be, just try something different. So to give you just a, a personal example on this dynamic, one of our recurring personal issues has been me feeling a little bit abandoned through Byron's workouts. He works very hard and some long hours and a lot of travel. And that's often left me, particularly when we had young children, feeling just very lonely and waiting for him. And sometimes he'd be held up beyond his ability and I'd be waiting and waiting. And so by the time he got home, I'd be quite grumpy and sour and he'd be getting all the passive aggressive, actually more, not so passive and not so subtle. <laughs> he would be served with a grumpy wife. That wasn't making me attractive to him. It wasn't giving him any incentive, any positive incentive to come home, except for perhaps by the fear of what might greet him if he was leaving later. He might have thought, well, I better get home because it'll only just get worse the longer I leave it. But that's hardly an effective or positive way to do it. And so one of the things that I've tried to do is to not wait for him so much uh, because of the waiting that was really um, where I was started to brood and to get really sort of into a bit of a funk. So I started to try to be really proactive in terms of just managing my expectations around that, but also to fill my time positively so that when he comes home, he's greeted with a wife that's already, I guess, joyful and filled and is not so pining for him and so demanding of him at his time that he feels like he's just running from one demand to the next. Is that a pair? Yeah, I think so. But I think the, I think the idea is, I think it's a live example for us. And But I think that the point behind it is that this idea that try something different, try to, sh to shift it in a, in a positive way and think about actually doing something that's, that makes, goes go back to the earlier point we were talking about before the break, which is, you know, find a way to make ourselves actually more loving and more lovable rather than more demanding. Now, that doesn't mean we can't raise, you know, requests of each other and talk about the things that we find hard. We need to do that as well. But if we just get stuck in that pattern and we get pushing and pushing and pushing, we tend to push the other person away rather than actually draw them in. The trick of it is, you know, try something. If that doesn't work, try something else. Gives us a, a means of, again, being self-empowered to actually try and make the, the, the marriage work. And I think the, the thing that's 
most important around that is tricks or actions that are invitational, right, uh, or a gifting to the other. So, you know, Francis said my life's busy, and it is. I often leave early in the mornings, etc. Um, one of the things I try to do over time is just a gesture to say that, you know, I can't be everything, you know, that the family might need me to be, but I can empty the dishwasher before I go to work so that Francine doesn't come downstairs and the first thing she has to do is unload the dishwasher to get the day going. It's done. Now, I don't know, is that going to make our marriage perfect? No, it won't. Uh, do I do it every morning? I can't always. But if I if I make that a habit to unload the dishwasher, it becomes something that sort of becomes almost part of my life. Um, it's something I do before I go to work. And it's, just, it's a simple positive thing. And this is the point about these things. No one thing is going to make a marriage all of a sudden magical or better. But small things that we can build into our life, like exercises and repetitive actions, are important. So you're really moving into the last point that we had to make. So it was a good segue. But, but just to wrap up that third point was, um, if you're not making progress, change strategies. Stop the nasty threats or manipulation. Be kind. Move towards the person in love and generosity rather than with louder demands or more contemptuous you know, criticism and so on. We want to move away from that to, to, to something more positive so that we're actually, I guess, more attractive and more nice to be around. We don't want to turn ourselves into bitter people that um, are sabotaging our own chances of successful marriage. So back to your point about small steps, closing the gap, that was our last idea that we just wanted to share. It's really easy to get overwhelmed by hopelessness when our marriage is in a distressed state. The distance between where we are and where we'd like to be sometimes can feel intractable and that's just so huge. But momentum is a really powerful motivator. It provides a bit of proof of progress and that progress is possible and it gives us hope. And hope is so important in a marriage and so we need to in some ways, be very proactive in managing our mood and our optimism for the future of our marriage. It helps us to focus on our destination and when we've got that bit of momentum rather than on how far we still have to go, which can feel so intimidating. I always come to the same metaphor with this. It comes to my mind. I've forgotten the movie, what it's called. It, it was a, the mountain climbers where he broke his leg at the top and his friend was lowering him down and he fell into a crevasse as they were coming down and he um, visited a blizzard and the, the friend couldn't save him. So he, he sort of, he himself cut his own rope and then the friend went back to base camp and was about to pack up and leave and this guy had survived the fall but crawled on his hands and knees over three days back to base camp. And he said the way that he did it was that it was seven miles or something through, you know, mountain snow, really rough terrain. The way he did it is he would just focus on some sort of little landmark in the snow, just 10 feet or 20 feet in front of him, and he'd just get to there. And then he'd get another point and he'd just get to there. And sometimes that idea of just that sort of baby steps is um, the lifesaver for a marriage. Um, instead of trying to think about, hey, I want to get to this beautiful, glorious, fairy tale, um, perfect relationship, which can seem so far away from where we are at the moment. Focus on just making it a little bit better this day. Got some thoughts to add? Oh, it's, it's, it's such an important point. You, know, you don't get anywhere in a single bound. It's, it's many steps. And the trick is just to take one foot in front of the other. And that can sound like it's downplaying it all, but actually that's how it works. It's how it works in our careers, it's how it works in fitness, it's how it works in diet. You don't drop 30 kilos in a single day. You don't suddenly become you know, a marathon runner overnight. And you know that when you start out, it feels like it's, you're never going to get there. I just had a shoulder reconstruction and uh, it came out of you know, a hospital with my arm in a sling for six weeks and I literally couldn't lift it. 
And, you know, 12 weeks later, uh, eight, 10 weeks later, I can now raise my arm against my head. But I, I have to say, when I came out of high school, I thought I'd never raise my arm again. It just seemed like a bridge too far. And day by day, exercise by exercise, it, you know, it's, it's, you get that progress. And so, yeah, that's a, a really important mindset for our marriage. And we know it's true. We approach most things in our life like that, whether it was the way, you know, our study, you know, whatever it might be. And for those of us that have children, we know that's how we basically got through the, the young years with children, one day at a time some days. You know, you just, can I make it through to tomorrow with no sleep and, you know, all the things that, all the challenges that come with that. So we shouldn't be, we shouldn't think that's as a negative. We actually should think it's a very ordinary way of, uh, and a very powerful way, an effective way of actually running our marriages. And I guess the thing is, is that when a marriage is in a distressed state, it didn't get there overnight typically. I mean, even if there was some catastrophic betrayal or something that was revealed, the reality was is that there was an erosion of the marriage that was happening. We, we notice most marriages just drift. They drift into stagnant waters and you're not going to get out of those overnight you know if there's you know it might take a bit of rowing look the other thing about it is that you know we know this from uh physics and other things that that the first bit of movement is the hardest bit but once you get momentum think about rolling a stone or what they call a flywheel the, the the hardest bit is the first positive step and then once you get a small success you know you get momentum it's easier to take the next step and the next one and the next one so momentum matters movement matters if we just sit there in a funk and look in self-pity and helplessness, then nothing's going to change. In fact, it will actually get worse. But if we can get some movement, and we know, again, this is true, you know, you start to, you know, go on a diet like we all have at some stage or wilk, um, you know, you, you lose a kilo and you feel like this is great. The momentum helps you to go after the next one. And so you, you need that, whether it's, you know, fitness um, study or actually your marriage. And I'm trying to think what they called it. Is it activation? Yeah, it's in chemistry. It's the activation. Activation energy, which is higher than the energy you need to sustain the ongoing reaction. Right. You need a higher energy to get started. And I guess the, the reality is that fast gains, while we'd love to have them, fast gains are often superficial and they're typically followed by backsliding. So incremental gains that are just accumulate slowly day by day are more likely to stick and become the big accomplishments over time. So, then it's actually, it's, it's I'm getting back to my shoulder. Oh. The commentary from the physio the other day was you actually have to progress the movement in your shoulder with the strength. If you get more movement too quickly, you think you're making great gains, but you haven't got the strength behind it and you'll get the injury. So, they've got to go hand in hand. And she, her, her comment was exactly that. She said, some with some patients, Rapid gains in movements actually more dangerous for the recovery because they'll injure themselves. Got a great metaphor. It was a great metaphor. There you go. Thank you, physio. <laughs> she didn't know she was also a, a clandestine marriage counsellor. So that's the fourth idea is the plan is to be modest in our ambitions in terms of just take baby steps. Modest daily improvements will deliver more reliably and consistently. So we're just going to take a quick break for a moment and we'll be back shortly with some more. The Marriage Kit by Smart Loving is an online course for married couples wanting a lasting, passionate relationship. The course will allow you to grow in your understanding of each other and strengthen your bond with thought-provoking insights and practical skills. Research shows that relationship education can help you and your spouse improve your communication and conflict resolution skills, strengthening your relationship and reducing family breakdown. Gift certificates for the marriage kit are also available if you would like to purchase the course for a friend or family member and their spouse. 
visit smartloving.org forward slash marriage kit. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Smart Loving Conversations. We've been talking about how to ease marital frustration. We've looked at four very practical ideas so far, and they're really about mindset and equipping ourselves with the right thinking so that we can move forward and, and to a more fulfilling route. So managing the potential hopelessness that can invade our thinking when we're feeling really stuck in our marriages. We want to finish with this thought. So Brian, would you unpack it? Yeah, look, this is this is actually quite a radical thought when you first hear it. We're, we're fond of saying to people that marriage isn't supposed to make you happy. And we pause for a moment and they look at you with absolute shock and, and they think, you know, well, how could that possibly be? You know, of course it's supposed to make you happy. And here's the point. No, marriage isn't supposed to make you happy. Marriage is supposed to make you married. Marriage is supposed to make you holy. In, in, in our Catholic tradition, it's our vocation. It's our, our way to God. Now, if we are successful in our marriage, will we be happy? Of course we will. And God wants us to be happy. But it's not the purpose of a marriage. You know, if you think about the vows, we talk, the vows didn't say, you know, you, Francine, will make me happy, right? Um, or I'll love you as long as you make me happy. Or, or I'll love you as long as you're happy. Or I'll stay with you as long as I'm happy. The, the word happiness didn't come into it. The vows were very profound about other-centered love. And if you love each other that way, of course you'll be happy. But it's not the purpose, and and and, and it's not the, it's not the focus. It's it's an outcome, not the reason for being married. And that's a really important insight to carry, because what you want to be is successful in your marriage. And if you're successful in marriage, will you be happy? Of course you will, because you're in a love relationship with somebody who is loving you, and you're loving them. So we've got to get out of this mindset that somehow it's it's happiness is going to be uh, given to us, because happiness is something that firstly occurs when everything else is is right between us but we can't make you can't make yourself happy right somebody yeah you know, when you're sad and somebody says look just be happy well it's, it's impossible so that's that's a really important idea to carry and then the idea of happiness is happiness actually is as much an inside job so you know we can sort of say well somebody's given me a lovely ice cream and i'm happy well that's a fleeting happiness because when you finish the ice cream Hedonistic happiness. Hedonistic happiness. It lasts very. It doesn't last very long. Real happiness is an internal outcome. It's about the the meeting of of my needs and desires being fulfilled. And the trick with that is to actually manage your own and right orientate ideas and desires. So if I decide that you know the only thing that's going to make me happy is to have a Porsche, a mansion on the harbour, then I'm going to probably live my life unhappy. (laughs) And that's not a right desire. I mean, you know, that's that can be a fleeting wish. But if that's the way you orientate your life, then, you know, the life's going to, you know, most of us are going to be unhappy because most of us are not going to have that. So the question then is, what really do I yearn for? And that's an inward journey. And I guess when we really rely on our spouse to provide um, our happiness, to be the sole provider of our happiness particularly, or the, the main provider of our happiness, we not only burden them with an impossible task, we also deny ourselves the opportunity for spiritual growth. And this is one of the insights that I guess has been a bit of a hard learning um, for me and for us is that you know, when there's difficulties and there's challenges in our relationship, when um, Byron's relating to me in a way that uh, is frustrating or is upsetting to me, often that's more about me than it is about him. I'm not saying he's always innocent i mean there's obviously i am perfect we're both flawed human beings and and we can certainly sin and make mistakes but often it's more about our interior reactions are more about us and our expectations our 
programming, the, the schemas they talk about that we adopted from our own childhood and are brought into the marriage. All of those times when we're feeling challenged or frustrated or distressed in our marriage are really in a way an invitation to look a little bit deeper to see where the Lord might be calling us to growth and to some further discovery uh, internally. It's important also in that just to remember, constantly remind ourselves that you know, marriage is a three-way covenant. It's a, it's a partnership with two humans flawed and God who is a perfect model of love. And we need to keep, look, maybe some people can do it, but I don't know how we would have a successful marriage if we didn't have a you know an active individually and together have an active relationship with God in there, constantly inviting him to help make us better, make us more loving, and you know just open to his capacity to change us even when we think we can't or don't want to change quite often. Yeah, you know, the graces that God offers us are, are always there for us. It's, it's like we go to the supermarket and we choose not to take things off the shelf and then we complain that we don't have what we want. It's all there. But the strange thing about grace is you can't receive something you're not ready to receive. So we actually have to be in a disposition to actually receive it. And that's the interior work that Francine was talking about. So I was just going to sort of summarise, I guess, some of what we're trying to capture here is that when you're frustrated in your marriage, our take-home really would be whether it's a temporary irritation to a sustained desolation over many months or years, wherever on that spectrum you might be, lean into God. Sometimes our suffering is a consequence of our own sinful choices. Sometimes it's a consequence of someone else's choices and God allows us to bear that suffering for our own good or for the good of someone else. It's human nature to forget about God when things are going well. Sometimes suffering, therefore, serves the purpose of driving us to our knees in prayer. And certainly that's been my experience in our marriage um, and in the marriages of people whom I coach and support in difficulties. So if you are frustrated in your marriage, um, you can analyse it, get organised, plan your strategies to get out of it, etc. Well and good, but make sure you're also praying about it. That would be our yeah. key message. Or we'll start there, frankly. Yes. You know, yeah. start there and, you know. Start and then bookend it with God. So we might just take a quick break there and we'll be back to answer a listener question. Smart Loving Engaged Online. Before getting married in the Catholic Church, many priests and dioceses require that a couple completes a marriage preparation course to prepare themselves for the sacrament of marriage and to support them with helpful relationship tools. Smart Loving Engaged Online is a course which will give you the tools to make your marriage the best it can be. The course is comprised of nine lessons. When the course is complete, you will be emailed a certificate and a course report to give to your celebrant. Work at your own pace when it suits you. The Smart Loving Engaged curriculum has ecclesiastical approval and is approved for use in numerous dioceses throughout the world, including Australia, New Zealand, the UK, USA and Asia. Visit smartloving.org forward slash engaged. Gift certificates are also available if you would like to purchase the Engage course for a friend or family member. Hi there, friends. It's time for Smart Loving Q&A. We get questions every day from wives, husbands and couples from around the world. And today we want to address this question. We're arguing a lot about money. It's tight, but we seem to disagree about almost every purchase. 
Is it normal and what can we do about it? Yeah, it's normal. Um, let's, ask the, let's ask the management consultant. Yeah. No, it is normal. I mean, the, the surveys and the research shows that you know, finances uh, are one of the three most common causes of topics of, argu- topics of arguments amongst couples. So it is normal. And what it all is, it's common. It's co- well, it's common. You know, it's normal. <laughs> but, but here's the rub. Uh, it's irrespective of how much you have. So it's not, not about we're broke and we argue about money and we're rich and we never argue about money. Everybody argues about money because what's actually happening most of the time is money is the symptomatic cause that is what we're discussing. So it's the surface issue. But what's happening behind the scenes or the next level down is what we're actually arguing or having a disagreement about is the underlying values of where our priorities lie. So you can get, you can, uh, we had this argument and disagreement ourselves about our dining room table when we first renovated this house we're living in now. And uh, we went for about, I don't know, 12 months without a dining room table because we could not agree on how much to spend on a dining room table. And it was only when we realized that we, it wasn't about the money. That was this, that was how it was expressing itself. But we, we were having a quite a profound conversation about what sort of room we wanted to have how the children may feel, you know, with a precious piece of furniture versus a, a piece of furniture they could climb on or whatever. There was all these things caught up in this issue. And so a friend of mine is a financial advisor. Um, he used to have a radio program in Melbourne uh, on this, and he, um, he made a great point. He, you know, somebody called him one day and said, yeah, I want, a, I, I want a pool, but I can't afford it. And he said, yes, you can. I said, no, I can't. He said, yes, you can. And he said, sell your house, buy a block of land and put a pool in it. You can have a pool. Oh, you mean you don't want to sell your house. So what you're really saying is your priority is a home and that's your first priority. And then your next priority is your car. And then finally your third or fourth priority is a pool and you can't get your fourth priority. So let's think about how important that priority really is and stop focusing about what you can't have and look at all the good things you have got. And that mindset is is really important. So the idea is that when we're arguing about money, even when we're under financial pressure, and we all are for some stage in our lives, we've been there. The issues that we're actually are going on is the choices. We don't have a shared value set behind the choices we're making. One of us are prioritizing something and the other is prioritizing something else. And then it gets expressed out as how we spend our money. And the other way we we argue around is time, how we spend our time. And if you think about it, your money and your time are your two big resources. They are your two big resources. So how we spend those things really reflects what we value. And so what you're really doing when you're arguing about money uh, is just, you've got to get, if you want to get past that, you've actually got to get into the underlying value. What do we really care about here? What's the priorities that this money decision is expressing? And we call that value-based decision-making rather than, and, and in our marriage prep and things like that causes... We don't teach budgeting. We te- we teach couples how to make how to help them make value based decisions, whether it's about money or time or priorities, etc. That's a really important uh, thing. It's a skill set that they can then apply into lots of different circumstances. Yeah. So it is it is common. That's a common thing, um, but you'll never solve it through the dollars and cents aspect of it. You've got to get down below what those dollars and cents represent and then you need to find out how you can align your values or you can accommodate each other's values and then the money issue tends to solve itself. And so a helpful way to frame it that we found is to ask your question, 
what good will come of doing it this way? That's how you identify the value. So in this way, the way I want to do it, the way I want this dining room table to operate, this is the goods that will come from it. It will be a family space where the children can feel welcome, um, a nice space for us to welcome our guests, but it won't be so precious that the children can't be part of it. What you usually find, because you're married, you're in love, you've got, you know, despite our differences, more common things um, together, what you'll actually find is your values, you will, even if you have different values, you will respect and honour each other's values because that's partly what attracted you to the other person. And so you find yourselves actually agreeing with each other's values, even if you might prioritise, I might prioritise mine over Francine's, I can still typically see the good in hers. And now it's easier for me to work out how to try and accommodate hers because I see the good in it and vice versa. So now we're more likely to find our way forward in terms of the decision about how we spend our money. So... Before we sign off, we're almost at the end, listeners, but before we sign off, we do want to share a blessing with you. So for me this week, I just wanted to share the Daily Bible Exegesis. It's a podcast from the Logical Bible. Um, it's an Australian, came across an interview, I'll put it in the, the show notes, the link. A youngish, a youngish man, he is a Catholic as a child, but drifted into Protestantism and then reverted back to Catholicism, but has a really deep, and the podcast is great because he takes... The, the gospel reading for the day and then it just goes line by line and looks at the very plain meaning of it and what I found is that it's amazing how many times we've heard these gospel stories so many times is that we often don't even think or I'm not haven't thought deeply about what that line or that message really means or actually that's a really strange expression I wonder you know what the background of that is so he just takes apart sort of line by line, and it's um, been really, really enriching and refreshing. I um, came across a podcast on the lives of the saints, and uh, they're a twenty-minute unpacking of the life of a particular saint, and there's a there's a bucket load of them, and they're, they're just fantastic. I mean, I just put these things on when I'm exercising or walking in the mornings, etc., and um, I'm learning about the lives of saints I've some I've never heard of. And others I, I've heard of, but I didn't really know. And just getting that sort of, you know, again, all these different models of, of how to find, you know, our place with God in the world. And, you know, some of these saints have got the most horrific stories. They make me look like a saint uh, in some ways. And yet through their, you know, in, incredible stories, um, they, uh, and some of them are, you know, unbelievably courageous. Uh, some of them are actually quite ordinary. In, in some ways, um, but the, in in the ordinariness, they've actually been quite profound. And so just getting that sort of 20-minute dose of, you know, these great lives uh, has, been a, has been fantastic. I've really, I've really enjoyed that. I'm not sure when I'm going to run out of them, um, but it's been a lot of fun working your way through them. A few thousand in there. Yeah, I'm not sure they've got a few thousand on the podcast, but they've got enough to keep me going. That's great. So that brings us to the end of our time together. You can find more information, including links to our blessings, show notes and more at smartloving.org slash conversations. That's www.smartloving.org forward slash conversations. I'm Francine Parole with my husband, Byron, from Smart Loving. Special thanks to you for joining me today, Byron. And we pray that you will be blessed in your walk with the Lord today and we lift you up and all your intentions to our patron saints, Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. This is Smart Loving Conversations. Goodbye.